guys, welcome to another episode of the show. And today I have uh, some vulnerable shares to share with you. And it's such perfect timing. In fact, the last 30 days have been fantastic for my business. I'm very grateful. I'm very blessed and I'm counting my blessings. So this is just kind of a wrinkle that I'm working out and massaging. And I wanted to share it with you guys so that you could benefit as well if you're going through something similar. So just to start off, I've had an incredible 30 days. I've signed on new clients on the agency side of my business, and I've launched a sold out coaching program as well. And through that, I am doing a ton of execution and a ton of work. So yesterday was one of the weekly calls for my new coaching program, which is a female-only coaching program for female product managers who want to progress in their careers. And a lot of them are in a position where they're working with teams, they're driving big projects in tech companies, and they're looking to execute. And more and more, they're starting to face challenges that are not implementation in nature, but are human in nature. So understanding how people are buying in, understanding where people are relative to their goals and being able to drive consensus and drive projects forward. So I have in the past had a lot of experience doing that. In fact, you know, as a as a VP of product, also as a senior member of a lot of companies I've worked with, I've not been an individual contributor in a lot of cases, although I've always enjoyed doing individual contributorship roles. But I've had to I've had to be the one to make sure there's context in all situations and there is buy-in. So rewind the tape yesterday. We had a coaching call with the group and we talked about failure. And we talked about what happens when Something you're doing fails or there's a setback and it doesn't work as you expected it to work. And we talked about events being neutral. And in fact, I was explaining to everybody about things happening in the universe being neutral things and how we as human beings attach interpretations and meaning to those events. And we talked a lot about how the more feedback you get or the more things happen around you that you can observe and derive information about what's working and what's not working, how that can expedite the growth and development of yourself as an individual, but also for the product. We in product development oftentimes refer to kind of this iteration and experimentation cycle. We want to launch as many experiments as possible in order for as many of them to fail so we know what's not working because that shows us the path forward. It's kind of like going through a minefield. You want to blow up a few mines with a dummy or, you know, in a safe way so that you can navigate your way forward. You can find a winning path faster and easier and you can get better results. So it's really compressing the lessons and the knowledge and the information that you gain in a shorter period of time. And I had a lot of questions yesterday from the group about different things that they're experiencing, failures, and whether in, you know, interview situations, some of them are interviewing, and some of them are proposing things internally or trying to move things forward, and there's kind of setbacks or failures and what to do about it. 
And I found myself, of course, within a short period of that coaching call, tasting my own medicine is in whether I was able to receive the advice I gave the group. And I'm happy to report that I am finding myself able to do so, although it still takes a little bit of time and adjustment and a bit of ego bruising, to be honest. But that's that's how things go. You know, we learn. The whole part about taking feedback neutrally is hard. <laughs> it is hard, especially if what the mistake was or the situation that you're dealing with, you can see how it was within your control to prevent it. Only if you had thought about it more or only if you had asked certain questions or checked certain things. So one of the agency clients that I have, you know, we've been working with them for quite a long time and they are, they're bought in, the business owners are bought into the marketing strategy that we proposed and the plan. And we've done a lot of work with them to do that. And yet now comes the time to start getting their actual team on board to execute and move forward with that strategy. And what my personal, you know, what I'm responsible for and the mistake that happened on my watch was that I was a bit too eager to proceed with this kind of plan that I was so enthusiastic and excited about without ensuring I kind of assumed that people on the team had had enough context and information and background from the company and the work we'd already done with the company to ensure a proper kind of kickoff and that this wasn't going to be the first time that we're going to see some of the plan or some of the ideas. And also not setting up my client, the business owners of the client, for success in getting buy-in from their team, not ensuring that the context was in place, that things had been sequenced in the right way, and that there were no surprises or that we weren't we weren't dumping a lot of information onto their team. Long story short, the team was not prepared, not fully prepared for the information dump that happened. They lacked a little bit of context. They didn't have a a sense of what the compensation structure was going to be for them for this new project. And as a result, now, you know, there needs to be more work done to get the team on board to align the team to make sure all concerns and questions are answered before moving forward with actual execution. And, you know, this for me, as somebody who's worked with teams before is not the first time it happens, but it's the first time it happens in the context of me leading my own business. What I'm learning from this, what I'm taking away from this is that I cannot take for granted context being in place if I haven't checked, right? So in the context of me working at a, at a company, I was always in a position to know who knew what, which teams were briefed, which teams had context, if there was any budding resistance, where it was coming from, and what were some of the concerns and questions that were popping up in that scenario. Over here, I kind of didn't, didn't check. I didn't make sure that there wasn't going to be any unexpected hurdles that would come up before we start rolling out the plan. And I didn't ensure sufficient 
background, I didn't check to make sure that my client, the business owners were set up for success. In any case, I felt, I felt like bad. I felt bad, not for myself, but I felt bad that my clients were not set up for success and that now we have to do a little bit of backtracking and repair work. And that's what one of those gotchas that you're like, oh, could have so prevented this, could have so prevented this. It's a blind spot, totally preventable, totally doable. And what was ironic for me was that just within the prior 24 hours, I'd had done this whole training on how to take failures feedback, everything's neutral. It's great to learn what's working, what's not working, so you can adjust your approach going forward. The important thing that I'm taking away from this, and I took some time to go and make myself some matcha tea and really reflect on what I'm learning from this and how to adjust my approach going forward. And that is, thankfully, the situation is repairable. Thankfully, this is something that can be turned around. It's just a slowdown, just a setback. It doesn't appear to be catastrophic at this point. And there's ways to move forward. So that is the great part. It was not uber high consequential mistake. However, it was a consequential mistake and it did impact the speed of the project and the comfort level of my client with everything. So I really had to step back and look at it and say, okay, well, this is a major lesson learned. I'm obviously going to be way more careful in the future with any aspect of a project that involves team and my clients' teams. And I want to make sure that they are set up for success in getting their teams buy-in and moving forward with that. So I kind of wanted to share that with you guys because at the end of the day, no matter if you're an entrepreneur or you're working at a company, you're going to encounter these scenarios where you misread a situation, you make assumptions that turn out to be wrong, and you can either stay in that space of like, oh, how could I have done this, beating yourself up, or you can as quickly as possible go make yourself a cup of tea (laughs) and really draw the conclusions and what you're going to do differently next time because that's the game and really be grateful and thank the universe for showing you with this example a blind spot that's only going to help you get better in the future and it's going to make you better at whatever it is that you're doing and it's really interesting I wonder I wonder if there's also an aspect of kind of identity here with failure versus success The other thing I talked to my coaching group, my uh, group of women executives about was the concept of perfection versus excellence, which is connected to the concept of a growth mindset versus a static mindset. And I referred to a book written by Carol Dweck, who is a PhD, and she wrote it, I think, in the 90s, but it's like a very popular book, especially in psychology and parenting circles. It's called The Mindset, The Psychology of Success. And it really talks about a very simple idea that parents who raise their children or reward their children for the outcomes or the results that they produce, such as grades or 
places like first, second, third place they take in competitions or whatever else is like an outcome, tend to develop their children's personality in a very different way. They tend to develop their mindset to be more oriented towards the success and the outcome rather than the effort that it takes there versus the parents who reward their children for the effort that they put in and really take care not to to reward or not to place too much emphasis on the outcome. They tend to raise children that end up having a growth mindset that are oriented towards doing their best job doing their best effort as opposed to necessarily getting the A or the first place in a competition. Moreover, Carol talks about studies that have proven that human beings or children that are being raised to orient or to be rewarded for outcomes, they tend to cheat more often than the people who are rewarded for their efforts. Because whereas The effort is 100% under your control. The outcome is not. There may be many other variables, other people, other circumstances that may determine what the outcome is at the end of the day. So sometimes if a child is worried that they will not get love or approval or appreciation unless they achieve a certain result, they are more likely to fake that result cheat on it just to get that reward and approval. And in essence, the difference between a growth mindset and a static mindset, and also the difference between showing up in excellence versus striving for perfection. The first one, showing up in excellence, is all about putting your best foot forward, doing the best effort, correcting any mistakes and moving on quickly, learning from those mistakes, improving yourself, But knowing that you will make mistakes, knowing that you are fallible, knowing that you're not perfect, accepting that growth as part of the process and accepting and and being thankful for the lessons that it gives you, for the feedback that it gives you. There's no punishment for, or there's no, (laughs) there's rarely a scenario if you're a business owner and if you're an entrepreneur that you're going to get straight A's in everything that you do, meaning All your client engagements are going to go perfectly. All your business projects are going to go perfectly. Everything is going to launch flawlessly and is going to have all the expected results. I mean, if if things were like that, businesses wouldn't have a 90% failure rate because it's not that they failed multiple times and then they ended up in the 90% category. No. It's that they failed once or twice and they never recovered psychologically from that failure. They never figured out how to pick themselves back up again and keep going and learn from that failure. If I would bet, and I would love to see research on that, let me know if you know of any research like this. But my sense is that if they were to do a research on the entrepreneurs that failed in their businesses that gave up and closed their businesses down, or if they were similarly to do research on the authors that never even finished their book or maybe finished their book, but then publish it. My sense, if you ask them how many times they failed to make a go at it, they would probably 
it would probably be under two or three major failures or setbacks that they encountered or rejection letters from publishing companies, maybe five, okay? But rarely will you find somebody like J.K. Rowling, who I think she received 22 rejection letters from publishing houses before Harry Potter was published, was there was a contract for her book. And so, th- and the same goes with selling services. Are you willing to get on the phone and to hear 20 no's before you get a yes, before you get a sale? And when you're selling high-priced services uh, that are very specific, that are a certain fit for only some people, it's only natural that most of the people are going to be a no. They're not going to buy your product or service. Or maybe you're trying a new market and maybe, you know, it failed, something failed in that market. I've had attempts at breaking into certain markets and when things are not getting traction, rather than taking that personally and saying, wow, I must be a bad, you know, a bad person at executing challenges. You know, just before this last challenge that went so successfully, I had another challenge that was canceled because hardly anyone showed up. Those were different markets. And in the challenge where nobody showed up, I could have said, well, This model doesn't work. The marketing doesn't work. But I knew I had enough data from other challenges I'd run, as well as other challenges I'd seen run by colleagues of mine, that the model for sure works. And I also knew that I, as as an entrepreneur, as a presenter, as a salesperson, as a marketing person, have had success and traction before. So... I had no reason to take that failure as I'm a bad person, I suck at this, I'm not talented, marketing or sales, or that the model is broken. The only thing that I could take from that is that there's no product market fit or that the marketing messaging is off. Something is not getting traction. Something is not being concrete or specific enough to get the traction that I need, especially with traffic that that's not warm or hot, traffic that doesn't know me as well. So I would say that if you're facing a failure or a temporary setback, use it as a learning opportunity and understand that most businesses before they hit something, before before they hit the gold mine, very rarely, very, very rarely would somebody get so lucky as to have a home run on their first strike right? You'll probably try a bunch of different business models. You may try a bunch of different markets and niches and categories of services or products. We call that kind of the experimentation phase, the product development, kind of getting to an MVP, MVP standing for a minimum viable product. So understanding that you're going to go through that phase of experimentation and learning and that Actually, you want to get to a place where you have at least three failed attempts before you have confidence enough that where you're seeing is actually working and that you've learned a principle or mechanism or a product market fit or something that's actually working. You will need to go through a few, a few failures and you need to remember to keep at it, to keep experimenting and iterating and trying new things based on what you've learned so far. So don't 
don't be like the person who's trying the same exact approach again because you feel that somehow, you know, you're the problem is with you. Uh, well, actually, let me take a step back. It's important to identify after something fails, it's important to identify what you think caused the failure, where the failure originated, so that you can go in and correct that aspect. So if the failure is with your execution, say that everything else was right, you had the traffic, you had the people coming in, the conversion was there, the product market fit was there, you didn't execute on part of the model, then go back and and learn better execution. Repeat it again until you get better. If your execution is there and if you are have evidence to point out that your execution is good, the model works, but you're just not getting through to the person, then it's the problem is with the customers that you are targeting. It's not the right fit. Your messaging is off. Something is not landing. Something is not resonating. So identify where the failure is and tweak that, change that before you have another attempt, another go at it, because you need to understand your variables and you need to understand what's working, what's not working. Then next time around, try to correct the part that's not working. That's how you do sequential experimentation. You don't go and try the same exact thing with the same parameters and the same variables over and over and over again. You got to change something before you try it again. You got to change something. Otherwise, you are demoralizing yourself and you are just, I don't know, you are in for a suffer fest. So that's, that's what I have for you guys, how to deal with failure as feedback, how to take feedback, how to welcome the lessons from failure and how to move forward. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.